Do you think you're a great multitasker? Did you know humans are not capable of multitasking? What you're doing is fast split tasking, and it's not as efficient as you think. Truth is, you're not getting more done. You're stressing yourself out, and you're performing worse than those who single task. I'm Curtis. That's Joe. We are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Joe. Hello, my friend. What's shaking? (laughs) I had a stressful day. No kidding. How about you? Well, I've I've spent six hours on the road, Kurt. Uh, I am sitting here in a hotel, and right outside of right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I was on customer visits uh, yesterday. Drove six hours today, and I have customer visits tomorrow. But I made it here in time to record a recorder episode. What was this number six, right? Yeah, episode. Is it six? <laughs> yes, it I is think six. It is six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. Yeah, I think it is six. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. So, I've had a uh, yeah, I've had an interesting day. A lot of time on the road. A lot of time. Uh, a lot of windshield time. Uh, a lot of time getting lost despite Google Maps trying to. You know, it's funny. Google Maps is 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 a great tool. Google Maps, Waze, whatever they are, they're a great tool, but. They can be dicey sometimes, especially if it's if it's taking you through a bad part of town trying to avoid five minutes worth of traffic, right? <laughs> I've had that and happen. That, yes. That happened to me today. That happened to me today. So how about you? What about your day? I thought I was gonna be going into work into the office on Tuesdays. We're recording on a Tuesday. We decided to change it to Thursdays, which was great. I was thinking, wow, I'm gonna record tonight. I should be in good shape to get ready for this episode. I know you're going to have, I didn't know what was going to happen with you being on the road. I'm really proud that we're actually getting together to record this episode. And then I just, you know, when things just kind of go wrong at work, (laughs) I had one of those days. And we're going to talk about minimalism again. We're doing a four-part series on minimalism. Last week, we introduced the topic. This week, we're going to get into some things. And one of the things we're going to talk about, at least on my agenda I want to talk about things that matter from Joshua Becker's book that I started introducing last time. Most of the book after the introduction on minimalism is about distractions. And let me tell you, I had a big distraction today. It was one of those days where an emergency happens and that's all you can focus on. Do you want to share that emergency or do you want to share your stress over that? You know, it was so stressful, especially when you're trying to do things you're trying to be focused on things that matter. That emergency hits, and there's really nothing you can do but take care of that emergency. Mm-hmm. I was so glad. I was thinking about this whole thing, the the emotions I was going through, and that I really wanted to record with you tonight. But it was one of those things where I, I hope I can recover. hope I'm not working into the night, and I got to message Joe and say I can't record tonight. That happened to you as we started doing this podcast, I think, a mm-hmm. couple times mm-hmm. where oh, you had, yeah, had an emergency. And knocked us, I think. So I'm really proud that, first of all, I, I did solve the problem and I'm back, back to a normal keel and I was able to prepare for tonight. So yeah, no, I'm doing good now, but I was having that feeling like, boy, I don't think I'm going to be able to record tonight earlier in the day. So that's, that's one of the benefits of minimalism though, that if you have too much going on at one time, you don't have the margin in your life for the emergencies. You don't have the margin in your life to take care of the urgent matters that might come up that are beyond your control. If you minimize your life, including your calendar, including your schedule, including your activities, you leave margin for those situations that come up that that have to be taken care of. For example, the situation at work. That's a great word, margin, for sure. Well, let's talk about this topic. You did some research on your end for minimalism this week? Yeah, I know that you're going to you're going to dig into uh, Joshua Becker's book a little more and I happen to get a chance to listen to a lot of that book uh on my drive here. Joshua Becker's a great resource for minimalism. I like him 
I like him. I like his writings. I like his book, uh, his books. And I like the minimalist Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. Those, those two guys are, those three guys are really, uh, are really great resources for the, for minimalist lifestyle and to get you started to explore the minimalist lifestyle. And the reason I like these guys is because they're not nutcases. They're normal people, right? They're, they're normal guys that are just trying to make life better for themselves and for their families. Joshua Becker is a, uh, he's a former pastor who has, who decided that his, his life's work was going to help people with their life work. And I really respect the guy a lot and I respect his work. So, in that spirit, I, I, I read his blog every once in a while, becomingminimalist.com. That's going to be my resource for the week. Joshua Becker's blog, becomingminimalist.com. He does a, uh, he has a post on his website called the benefits of minimalism. And I'm going to review those benef- benefits, the 21 benefits of owning less. I really like how he words this. I like how, like how he struct- structures uh, these items. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through those we'll just chat about each one. There's 21 of them. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on each one, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll give each one it's due and see where that conversation takes us. How about you? What do you have on your end? Right. So I'm taking from his book, things that matter. It's a pretty recent book. And again, he dives into the rest of the chapters after he introduces minimalism is about distractions. Just don't make them become a lifestyle, but he goes into detail in each one. And I'm going to talk about how to put those distractions in their place. He's got five points or four points there. And then he talks about, I want to get into one of those distractions, which is fear of failure. You don't necessarily see that as a distraction, but I know where you're going here. Cause I, I listened to the book on the way in. So this is, this is going to be really good stuff. By the way, Kurt, I loved your opening man about, uh, multitasking because we all think sometimes we wear it as a badge of honor, don't we? Yeah. Being a multitasker and being able to do a lot of things at one time. And when you, when you multitask, you're really not giving any one of your, any one of those tasks it's due. There's a sense of satisfaction that we get from quote unquote multitasking uh, because we think we're doing a lot at one time and we think we're moving and shaking and boy, are we busy and look at all this, look at all these windows I have open and look at my inbox and look at my, mm. look at my desk and I've got it all shaking and moving. Right. But nothing, nothing that you're doing is, is getting its rightful due. Nothing is, you're, you may think you're doing it well, but you're not. Yeah. I was looking up some quotes on this whole thing. It's, you're really not being more productive you're stressing yourself out. You're not more creative. You got anxiety. I'm reading some other experts, as we say, Joe, of studies that have been done on this. And it's the complete opposite of what you think you're accomplishing. And I've talked to you about a software development life cycle on how you productively create software. And there's a project management system called Agile. A type of Agile is called Kanban. And it has a very specific philosophy to productively move your work and your tasks through the week. We do this at work. And I like even doing it for my own personal productivity at home, working on a project. And it's really about prioritizing those tasks, knowing what what you have in progress, and focusing on those items that you have in progress. And you can only have, and you gotta, you'll figure out this out if you do this philosophy, but you should only have like, let's say the example is three items in progress. Cause some of them you can't, you're waiting for somebody to do something. You can't really, ideally you could focus on that one task, get it done and move it to done. Then you move something from your to-do list into what you're working on. And we did an example of this when I was being trained in this philosophy. And they set it up just like a multitasking example first. And then you count how many widgets you pass through at the end of the day with your team. And then you do it with this philosophy with the Kanban. And you find out that you actually move more widgets through the workflow than you did the first time. Without getting into detail how they set that up, it was eye-opening to see. You can't work on everything all at once and move that workflow through your, through your project. Anyone who has spent time in corporate America has been through some sort of lean process. Right. 
And a Kanban system is a critical part of uh, lean processes, uh, not only just for manufacturing or inventory control or getting tasks done, but day-to-day, you can you can use the Kanban system for day-to-day activities. And it really is a system that to help you focus and keep track on the, on the most important thing right now. I, mm. I do like, I do like the Kanban system. I really Yeah, I think do. it did come from manufacturing. That's a great point, Joe. Yep. Yep. Anybody who's spent any time in corporate America has been through those kind of lean processes. So I thought that was important in this topic of minimalism and my portion on distractions, because if you're not focused on the things that are important, Time is just going to go, you know, someday never comes if you never work on those important things because you're going to be distracted all the time in your everyday life. I have a question for you, Kurt. Yeah. Uh, from the from the research that we've done on minimalism and the actions that you may have taken and the actions that I've taken, how would you define minimalism? I'm going to cheat, Joe. Okay. <laughs> I read this last week, the intentional promotion of things we most value by removing anything that distracts us from them. That's from the book. Yeah. It's interesting because my definition of minimalism is very similar. And one key word, intentional. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's intentionally living with only the things that I really need that support my purpose, uh, removing all of distractions, the excess possessions, so I can focus on things that really matter most to me nice. in my life. Now, I I go through a process of minimal, minimalism to try to even find direct life direction. If I'm if I feel stuck, uh, it helps me to to clear away all the distractions and and figure what's left and what's important to me. Minimalism isn't. A one size fits all, uh, but it is a process of intention in, of intentionally living with only the things that you really need, only the things that bring value to your life or or support support your purpose. And I really like this list from from Joshua Becker and his blog, Becoming Minimalist: the twenty one powerful benefits of pursuing and living a minimalist lifestyle. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll go through this list and we'll 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 chat a little bit about each one. There's there's 21 of them, so like I said before, we can't spend a whole lot of time on each one, but we can water drop and we can kind of find some focus by exploring each one just a bit. Number 1, spend less. Choosing to accumulate only the essentials often results in a fi- in financial freedom. Spending less on things you don't really need will cut your financial expenses and increase your savings. When you're not stuck in this cycle, Kurt, of of consumerism, when you're not getting your joy from just buying more stuff, you spend less. You spend less and you and you create value you create more value in what you spend your money on. Yeah. I've been bad though on my LP collection, my vinyl collection. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this about that. Does it, it doesn't mean you have to, I don't think it means you've been bad, Kurt. Does that bring you value? That's my question. Sometimes I wonder, it's, you know, as a collector, I think that's, that's a great point. I don't, you know, you'd have to tell me, I haven't read anything on this topic. I think maybe the minimalists would say, if that's important to you, if you get joy from that, I mean, but I don't want to become a hoarder here in my little office. I don't know if I'm going to run out of room here. I think I've got to be selective of what I think would be a good album on vinyl as opposed to just buying everything I see. So, yeah, I mean, it could serve many purposes. It could serve as a source of art for you. It could serve as a source of listening pleasure, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could serve as a source of historic value to you and your life. It could serve serve as a source of many things, or it could just be clutter. <laughs> it, it's it could be a it could be an album that sits in a closet. You never display it. You never yeah, see it. I know. You get it out in your. You, the only reason you really know it's there is because you've decided to clean out your closet looking for an old pair of shoes, and you find it. Yeah, I think. I don't know if this fits in the same place, but I made a decision long ago to devote at least some of my income without fail to my yearly vacation. 
and which became part of a podcast that I do on Disney World. And my wife was on board with that. We always wanted, I didn't want to spend money on stuff when I could spend money on something that I can get away from and look forward to a vacation and plan for. So I don't know if that fits in that theme, number one, but Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. We, we don't spend a, my wife's really good at this. I'm I'm lucky to have a wife who does not, she's not a shopper at all. (laughs) Mm. Let's keep going. What's number two? Number two, less stress. A minimalist home is significantly less stressful. Being able to freely move around and enjoy your home is a huge weight off your shoulders. I like that. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I believe this completely. Uh, there is nothing more peaceful than a, it, it, let's say, let's just remove it from your home. There's nothing more peaceful than just a, 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 a newly cleaned room that you can step into and everything has its place and there's a place for everything and there, there's not clutter and chaos around. It's peaceful. Yeah. Agreed. I relate this to my car as well. I love it when I, when I, when I freshly clean my car, it almost feels like it drives better. <laughs> yeah. I hate when I got junk in there. Number three, easier to clean. The fewer things in your home, the fewer things there are to clean. This makes cleaning a significantly easier chore. Agree completely. Uh, The less stuff you have, the less stuff you have to clean. Number four, more freedom. The sense of freedom that comes from minimalism is truly refreshing. You will no longer feel tied to the material possessions in your home, and you'll feel a great new sense of independence. When you're not worried about the stuff you have, you you get to you get to focus on the stuff that's important. Well, you know, I think of things that break down that I go fix. <laughs> so the more you have, the more things that are going to break down that you got to fix. I don't want more of those because those things are stressful, especially when you're tired and there's other things going on. That's when something breaks down. Number five, good for the environment. The less we consume and buy, the less damage we do to the environment. Now, this isn't a commentary on being an environmentalist or anything like that. But if you can do good for the environment, shouldn't you? Absolutely. Number six, be more productive. Our our possessions consume our time more than we realize. And a lot of these overlap, and we're going to find that. Uh, But... When I have, when my desk is clear, when my, when my office is clear, I am much more productive. I can find things easier. I can locate, uh, I can locate, uh, the, the tools that I need. Uh, I'm just more productive. It drives me insane when I can't find something. <laughs> that is something that'll steal my peace really quick. Joshua's Joshua's number seven here is example for my kids. Uh, And I would just say that as example for the people closest to you, when you can show people that consumerism, there's a better way than consumerism. There's a better way than the endless pursuit of stuff. You are, you're being an example to the people closest to you. So that's number seven. Number eight, support other causes. Money is only as valuable as what we choose to spend it on. If you're overextended on your budget, if you're you're spending more than you make and you've not minimized your budget, you've not you've not minimized your spending, minimalism isn't just stuff. It goes into all aspects of li- of life including including finances. So when you've when you've minimized your budget and you're 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 only spending money on those things that are are most important to you, you have extra money to support other causes. You have extra money to, to give to the things that, that you want to give to that those things that maybe come up at, at moments notice that a friend in need, a cause at church, a mission at church or whatever, whatever it might be, a a charity that, uh, that comes to your attention. Uh, you're able to support other causes because you've intentionally minimized your spending. Number nine. Own higher quality things. This is this is so important to me. I would rather save my money and buy quality than just buy junk. And and let's face it, I in my twenties, I bought a lot of junk. 
a lot of a lot of press board furniture, a lot of a lot of stuff that broke down easily. It was cheap, but it wasn't it wasn't better. Uh, when you own less things, you get to buy higher quality things, things that will last a long time, things that will that will serve you and serve you and maybe generations to come. Mm, oh, like you that. get to own higher quality things. I finally decided when I turned a certain age, I was going to buy, I had to buy, I had to get a car and I didn't buy a new car. I really wanted, I wasn't, I know I was going to be traveling farther to work and I started taking the bus. Now this goes back seven years ago and now going into its eighth year, I only have 40,000 miles in that car. <laughs> wow. 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 I took the bus to work. So I bought a quality car. I just put tires on it. So I'd have put some money into it, but <laughs> it has never broke down on me. When you intentionally buy better things, uh, less but better, you get to experience those things more fully and for a longer longer period of time. So you get to own high higher quality things. Number 10, less work for someone else. Create a less stressful life today and lessen the burden on someone else too. And I'm going to use this as an example. And it, I don't mean to be morbid here, and I don't think he speaks to this in the rest of the list, but less work for somebody else. And this is the ultimate less work for someone else. Here's what I don't want to do, Kurt. I don't want to leave closets and, and cabinets and a garage and storage areas and drawers full of my crap for my kids to have to go through when I go, when I die. That's not true. I don't that. want that. I don't I want that mean. for them. Yeah, I get you. I don't yeah. want that for them. Uh, I want, uh, you know, I, I want to have my plan in place. I want them to have a, a few, a few things that were very personal to me and very personal to them. Right now, I've already made kind of made those plans, but I don't want my kids to have to go through my crap when I die. Mm. I don't want that. It's a, it's a, it's a stressful, tragic time for them. At least it should be. I'm mm. dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't want them to have to go through it. I don't want them to have to go through my crap when I die. So this is, I, I look at this as the ultimate less work for someone else. Interesting point. We, my wife and I just went through this with her mom. So I can second that one. <laughs> I went through it with my folks. We had to go through all of their stuff. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I have a brother-in-law uh, that, uh, unbeknownst to me, kept a lot of my mother and father's stuff. And he called me and my oldest daughter and said, hey, I've got these bins of your mom and dad's stuff. I don't want them anymore. I'm going to drop them off. And we had no idea these things existed. I know. These bins existed. We thought everything had already been done. So now we're forced, again, to maybe go through this stuff. So my question is, if for the past 10 years, or longer than that, actually, we didn't miss it, do we really have to go through it? Can we just say, no? We're not taking it because we thought it was gone. Yeah, right? I know. And suddenly it's back in our life and we feel this obligation to go through it. Do we really have to? <laughs> because our, our life was fine before that. What are your thoughts? That is just a really interesting one. I think some of the other ones were kind of obvious. I wouldn't have thought of that one. It really makes sense to get rid of this stuff much earlier than before you go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so we have these bins and I'm thinking of just not even going through them, Kurt. I know. They're just sitting Not there. even going through them. Just, just because. Just drop them off at Goodwill. We thought they were already gone. Our life was not negatively impacted by not having them. And suddenly it is negatively impacted because now we have to go through them. Yep. Goodwill hmm. is a great thing for that. So number 10, less work for someone else. And we're going to stop at number 11. Uh, and we'll pick up at number 12 next episode because I want to, I want to, I really want to give you the opportunity to, to uh, speak to your section as well. Uh, number 11, be happier. 
Now, this is up for debate. I understand. Owning fewer possessions makes you happier. Now, that's a bold statement, and somebody might debate that, okay? But I can just speak for myself. The less stuff I have, the more content I'm becoming. The more stuff I get rid of, the more peaceful I'm becoming. I am happier by owning fewer possessions. And I would have never said that years ago. I would have said I'm in this pursuit of the American dream. The one who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that? Do you remember that bumper sticker? (laughs) Absolutely. But when I started getting rid of stuff, I became happier. My, My life really became less stressful. I'll give you an example. Every stitch of clothing that I own, Kurt, fits into a 36-inch wide closet, one one closet, one rod, third, about 36 inches wide, and two, two drawers and a dress, two dresser drawers. Everything that I own, other mm-hmm. than a, other than three pair of shoes, uh, other than that, everything that I own fits in fits in that space, and it's it's nice to just not have that decision. Here are my clothes. Here's what I have to choose from. That makes me happy. I think there's a lot of joy I've gotten from getting rid of things I'm not using. Mm-hmm. And then looking like I, I'm a t-shirt collector. <laughs> That's one of my, I love mm-hmm. t-shirts. And I think you and I, maybe from conversations you and I had, I decided I have this top shelf on my closet where my t-shirts are. And I threw a bunch out. I brought some to Goodwill. And now all my t-shirts that, the ones that I'm using right now are in that stack, those stacks. Perfect. And it's so much cleaner. And it's a good feeling to get rid of things you're not using. Perfect. So that's one through 11 of the 21 benefits of minimalism uh, from Joshua Becker's blog, becomingminimalist.com. All right. Staying with Joshua Becker and his book, Things That Matter. So we're, we're going to talk about distractions he says how distractions have become a, a lifestyle that we've lost some control over the lives we're living because of distractions. You really want to recognize these and course correct pretty quickly. So how do you put distractions in your place? Joe, you started talking about this a little bit. About distractions. Yeah. First, you got to be vigilant in self-examination. You got to sit quietly with yourself and examine the trajectory of your life and start thinking about those distractions that are keeping you away from being the best version of yourself. Verbally articulate what distractions are keeping us and what are they doing to keep us from our best work. What's keeping you from those people that you love or keeping you from fulfilling your highest purpose. So verbally articulate those distractions. And he gives a whole bunch of them. So you can, the book will help you identify those. Third, be diligent and intentional in removing these distractions. It's, it can be difficult. You got to wrestle with yourself, but learn to fight, he says. <laughs> you know, our, our, the, the, the distractions in our life and the, the distractions that we put in our lives and that we put up with in our lives, it's almost masochistic, you know? Yeah. I, I think about, about my biggest distraction is, and this is many people's biggest distraction, is the my phone, this little dopamine creator, this little dopamine, this little dopamine device that I have that distracts me so many times throughout the day and steals me away from the things that are most important. Yeah. We talked about habits. You get into these habits. They're hard to break. Distractions don't get to define you. You get to define you. (laughs) But if you don't, you know, don't handle these things. It just becomes a routine. You got to remind yourself the value of what's important and what are the duties in front of you that can get you there. That's the reason why distractions and the one I want to get into, he goes into several of them, but I thought this was a really important one is that fear of failure. Mm. Do you experience a fear of failure, Kurt? Absolutely. I'm going to give you an example as I go through this, but he he gives five signs of fear of failure that may be affecting you. And I'm going to take an example that I actually worked through back way back, Joe, in my beginning of my career. 
and how I got around that, that fear. One of the five signs the fear of failure may be affecting you, you procrastinate or routinely avoid responsibility. Mm. <laughs> the more anxiety you fear or feel about reaching a goal, the more likely you are to delay action towards achieving it. The example I'm going to use is back when I first started working, Joe, I was a customer service rep and I took the job just saying, all right, I don't know what I want to do in my life, but this is a nice big company. I'll start working and I'll figure it out. Well, about six months into that, I realized I don't want to be a customer service rep. Mm. And I had this thought that I had an ability analytically Computers and PCs were just starting to hit the desktop to tell you how long ago that was. And I was doing a little bit of an analytical work in my job and I really liked it. But I, the fear of asking people about jobs that might be available, one of the first things I did was I walked into HR and I said, I, I don't remember how I started the conversation, but I basically said, well, what do, what do I got to do to get promoted or move up in this company? Something like that along that lines. He said, well, first of all, you got to wait a year. I said, Ugh. so I'm back to my desk, but I'll go into number two and you'll see how the story starts to unfold. And then another fear of failure that might be affecting, you don't take charge of your own future. And you know, that was one of those things where I was fearful to ask people for help to move along in my career. There were a couple other things going on at the company I was working at. And I think people were actually sabotaging me moving up because they liked where I was, to be honest with you. I have some no kidding feelings that was happening because I would apply for a job just through a job posting and I wouldn't even get the interview. <laughs> and I, was, I don't know what something's going on here, hmm. but a job came available from the manager who hired me at the company and it was an analytical job. He was retiring, but he worked for my boss's boss's boss, who was a really intimidating figure to me when I was 22, 23 years old. I had a fear of walking into his office and asking him about this job, but I was so unhappy with what I was doing I think the courage finally got into me. And one day, kind of a little bit shaken, went in and asked about this job that came available from my the person who I knew who was retiring. And that's what he had told me to do. Go talk to this person and see, would you believe he almost immediately said, I'm within 10 minutes of this conversation, well, why don't you start working with Bill half the day and, and your other job half the day? Oh, Wow. And that's how my IT career started. So I got up the courage. I beat that fear. And that changed the projection of my life without being dramatic. Kurt, from, from, from this point looking back, mm -hmm. the fear of walking into his office, was that the feel, fear of failure or yeah. was that the fear of rejection? Where, in your core, if you can remember that feeling back then, what were you afraid of? Definitely rejection. That's one of the things. There was a couple of things happening here. I was going over my boss's head and the other boss's head directly to the guy in charge. So fear of what retribution could be. I don't know that I had that fear. I could have. Maybe I did. I think it was more of rejection, but also fear of failure. I'll take number three here that you might have this, you set low expectations for yourself. So I was going into a more technically harder job uh, all alone. And the guy who was doing the job was retiring. I don't know if that'd have much support. And what the manager that I worked for at the time, after he heard I was doing this, made a comment to me directly. The, the database program I was working with was going to be called D-Base 3 at the time. He said, you'll never learn D-Base 3. <laughs> hmm. Directly. After I was kind of already making Very encouraging. Yeah, exactly. So not only could I have been setting low expectations for myself that I didn't have the ability to do the job, someone told me I wouldn't be able to do the job. Someone with influence. You, know, number, you doubt yourself. So that's kind of similar. 
And then the last one is your fear results in physical ailments. I don't know that I ever got that much fear. Hmm. If uh, he's saying if you're if you're having frequent headaches, stomach aches, panic attacks, stress induced ailments, I know a lot of people in that job, that customer service job I had. That was a job that could eat people up. I saw people leave, <laughs> like walk up in the middle of the day and walk out because they could not take the stress of that job. You have to wonder if if the fear of failure is manifesting itself in illnesses and and medical medical conditions. Is that that's maybe that's where we see so many so many employee missing days, so many employees days off and calling in sick uh, because they just can't face feeling like a failure showing up. Yeah. I mean, whatever's going in involved in the job, if, if, I mean, I was a big proponent of trying to find something that I enjoyed to do as part of my day-to-day work. I think that's really important. He says, you know, to give you a little encouragement at this point, about 85 to 90% of the things people worry about never happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that's so true. I mean, that, that, that connects to worry as well. Yeah. Uh, 80% of what we worry about never comes to fruition. Maybe even higher than that. 90% of what we worry about never comes to fruition, but that fear of failure, the fear of making a wrong decision that can lock us, that can lock you up. Right. And no decision is worse than a wrong decision. I think there were people that were doing that job. They just kept doing it. Never tried. You get that comfort zone and, you know, facing that fear is harder than just doing the job. That's what I'm talking about. One thing to get over it. I'll just finish it with this. He says, for starters, the fear of the thought of wasting your life should be the hardest fear because we've already talked about this people in the nursing homes one of the things they regret is not doing the things that they should have been doing all along you know when it comes to the fear of failure kurt and the distraction uh being distracted by the fear of failure and letting that lock you up as long as you don't try you always hold this hope that you can as long as you don't try, you always hold hold this hope that you will succeed. But when you step out there and actually try, you're risking failure, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you do fail, you no longer have that fantasy that you've lived in until you tried. That fantasy that you lived in that, oh, I can do this or I can do that or I can whatever whatever fantasy it is that that you've conjured up in your head by not trying you get to hold on to that fantasy you get to hold on to that that made up success in your own head but by trying by putting yourself out there all questions are laid aside and i think people have the fear of fear of facing that reality that if i try I may, I may fail. And if I fail, I no longer have this, that's this narrative in my head. That's deep. (laughs) Yeah. That's a deep. I no longer have this fantasy about succeeding because I, because I failed. But the, the idea behind, behind failure is you just keep going. You just keep doing it. You know, I'm reminded, and in fact, in Joshua Becker's book, he references this quote by Michael Jordan. And this just describes failure uh, in such a way that it pushes it away. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Yep. And he's considered probably the greatest NBA player of all time. Absolutely. And and clearly one of the top athletes of all time, clearly the best NBA player of all time. And he, he contributes his success to his failures. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I'll just leave this thought. I always think of this thought. Remember, it just takes a little courage before you gain confidence. Little successes at a time. Well, I think that's what all I had for this week's contribution to minimalism. Yeah, we'll do next week. Next week uh, from this list, I will do uh, 12 through 21. And I'm excited to to dig into that. I love this subject on minimalism. Uh, I like where it's leading and I like where it's leading my life, Kurt, to living more intentionally and living with less to make room for the things that are most important in my life. Excellent. Well, you know, I want just not just you and I, but anyone listening to also think of the wins that they had for the week. I think it's important to reflect back you know, as you're going through your busy day or your busy weeks, what's something that went well? Because we know things can go bad <laughs> a lot. And sometimes we focus on the negative. So, Joe, did you have a win for the week? Yes. And we're experiencing it right now. <laughs> Recording tonight. Absolutely. I'm in a hotel room in Louisiana. We had every reason, I had every reason to to not record tonight. but. I thought ahead and I thought to myself, well, you know what? I have to record on the road. If we want to keep on track with releasing these episodes, I have to record while I'm on the road. So I, I tucked in my carry on uh, my trusty uh, Samson Q2U microphone. Uh, actually, I didn't have a microphone stand. So I ordered one from Amazon and had that delivered to my hotel room yesterday. And so I have my microphone stand. Uh, I'm plugged into my, my laptop computer. And it's not, it's not ideal. It's not perfect. But we're making it happen, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we got through. We had Rigged obstacles. The microphone and, yep, yep. Absolutely. We had absolutely. obstacles to record a few of the episodes. And today was another one. I explained the tough day I had today. But you, how about your win for the week, Kurt? Yeah, my win for the week. Creating the time to do this podcast, Joe, you know, on top of my already busy schedule was a big concern before I committed to this project and this podcast. I was so excited today. I edited last week's podcast in one day. Outstanding. So if you don't know, Kurt and I share editing responsibilities and and all of the responsibilities uh, on this podcast. And one week I'll edit, the next week he'll edit, the next week I'll edit. Uh, so this this past week, Kurt had was editing an episode that was his turn to edit. Making time for that is uh, is it can be it can be a tough task, right? It can be a tough task, especially if you want to edit it in such a way that you're putting you're we're putting out a quality product. So congrats, man. When you're doing the editing, you get into a groove after doing it a few times. So some things I hadn't done with this podcast before, that's a little bit different. And also the workflow of my week is really important to me. And where was I going to fit in when we record, when we talk about the episode, when the editing is done, when, where is all those things going to fit in what I already have? So to get this done today on a Monday, as, or a Tuesday as we're recording this is fantastic because that leaves time for all the rest of the things that I'm going to be doing the rest of the week. Right. And we, you're right. We'll get into a, we'll get into a groove. I have a pretty solid process down myself for editing. And I know you do too. We do it differently, but the most important thing to us is to, is to release a quality product for, for the listeners. And Editing is an important part of that, and taking time to to edit correctly is an important part of that. So great job, man. Great job getting it done this week. All right. Our 30-day wait challenge is over. So Joe and I have been talking about what's going to be our next 30-day challenge. It's going to be devoted to minimalism. We both have some ideas on how we're going to do this. Obviously, it's going to be something we do every day related to minimalism. I think we just got to get it exactly dialed in the way we want to do it so we can present it to everyone. My vision on this is, is, is some kind of minimalism game at some level, whether we do something like get rid of one thing every day or one thing on the first day, two things on the second day, you brought up the idea of, of broadening it to more aspects of our life, not just getting rid of stuff, but 
our finances, uh, a junk drawer, whatever it might be. So we'd like your input on this. What, what kind of 30 day challenge do you want as it relates to minimalism? Cause we'd like you to come along for this journey and uh, your input is important to us and we'll, we'll share your input and Kurt and I will come up over, over the next week or so with a, with a 30 day challenge related to minimalism. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to that. Just to give you some examples, Joe, that we could include clear one flat surface from clutter, clean out your closet, turn off notifications, create a morning ritual, declutter something digital, unsubscribe to an e- those emails that are in your inbox. So those are some examples, but we'll get it dialed in. And the idea would be beginning of March to start this 30-day minimalism challenge. Perfect. Perfect. I have a resource for the week, and it's 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 not surprising. Uh, it's Joshua Becker's website. I think last week I, I shared the Minimalist website at theminimalist.com. This is Joshua Becker's website, becomingminimalist.com. As I said in the beginning of the show, Kurt, both of these guys, the minimalists are two guys, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus and Joshua Becker. They're real guys with real lives and real families and going through life, a, a real life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not some, for lack of a, it's not some weird guy going off on some kind of crazy monk minimalism journey. And I'm not saying there's anything bad, bad about that, but these guys are living minimalists in the real world. Joshua Becker's website, becomingminimalist.com is a tremendous resource to help those of us that just want to live more intentionally, just want to live Mm -hmm. a life, a simpler life. As we were researching for our podcast, Joe, I looked at their website and some of the things that they're doing in their community and also the side hustle, or in their case, I think it's their full-time hustle now, how they've made a living from this topic on minimalism. I think they're a great example and it leads up into my resource. So one of the things I'm interested in is in side hustles. I've got one I've talked about with my Disney World podcast and we do the travel agency. We've got a nice little Patreon going on with that podcast too. My resource is the podcast called Upflip. It's a podcast where they talk about business and give a lot of stories of what people are doing. And a lot of them are related to side hustles that have become full-time. And there was an episode with Graham Cochran, and I got really interested in it. He was talking about internet business and how he built a company that he had teaching people how to record quality. I think it was musicians in their home studios, built a course around that got really good at it. And he's doing some training now for being internet business as kind of the other course he's got going on now. And he wrote a book called how to get paid for what, you know, I've been listening to that on audio. And then I, I bought the book today, Joe. Outstanding. <laughs> I think another resource is your library because I actually talked to Joe about this too. There's a couple of resources. Libby is one of them. You can get free. Mm-hmm audiobooks that's where i got the i got the free book there's one called hoopla where you can get free books and audiobooks speaking of minimalism you can save you can try it out before you decide to buy but i want to go deeper into that side hustle i i picked up joshua joshua becker's book and listened to it on my drive here today and i listened to it through libby it'll connect directly to your local library and you'll have access to all of the digital uh, books that uh, I mean, all the audio books that they have, all the and all the digital books that they have, and it's all free. It's mm-hmm. all free. Some some libraries are more limited than others, but yeah, I'm gonna I, I want to share my my thoughts on Libby and digital libraries as a resource down the road. But this resource that you're talking about really dovetail dovetails into a into a show that we're going to do. I don't know where it, where it fits in our schedule, but eventually we're going to do a show where we each build a side hustle. That's and the we're plan. Going to, we're going to each build a, a, a business, a side hustle on our own, and we're going to try to do that in 30 days. That's just a water drop, a, a show that's for segments that are coming up. It's time for your quote of the week, Joe. 
So my quote of the week, uh, I'm going to go way back to 1879 and Mr. Will Rogers himself. And think about this one, Kurt. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. (laughs) Uh, Who is that from? Will Rogers, Will 1879. Rogers. And how true is that today as as it was back in 1879? It's probably more true now than it was in his day. We spend money we don't have to buy things we really don't want to impress people we really don't like. <laughs> Thank you, Will Rogers. That's something to chew on right there. I've heard that one before. And I'm sure you've heard my quote, Joe. It's titled, Anyway, If You're Kind... People may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people will try to cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous of you. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. And that's from Mother Teresa. I love Mother Teresa, one of the great human beings in all of history uh, and very, very quotable. <laughs> and this really speaks speaks directly to your subject today about distraction. Uh, we can be distracted by all the reasons that we can't do things, but do it anyway. Be kind anyway. Succeed anyway. Be honest anyway. I love this quote. I love this quote. Give your best anyway. I like this quote too, because you know I can be wounded by bad comments, frustrated by things that aren't going right, or... Yeah, it's 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 just you know just keep keep on keeping on is the the message here. Yeah, great one by Mother Teresa. Well, I think that does it for us, Joe, for this week, part two of our minimalism chat. We're going to do two more episodes on this topic. Yeah, let's wrap it up right there. Remember to visit dudesinprogress.com for all sorts of stuff, including links to our Facebook group and how you can support the show. I'm loving our Facebook group and the interaction that we're that we have on the face in the Facebook group. And uh we're even getting some emails trickling in there uh here and there, uh reacting to uh reacting to the show. So we certainly appreciate that and keep those coming. We might even invite you out on the show one day if if you throw something interesting out there. We might have you on to, to give your to give your input, but visit dudesinprogress.com for all sorts of stuff. Like I said, including our Facebook group, how you can support the show and all of that good stuff. But before we go, I want you to remember progress is better than perfection. So keep moving forward. And Joe, we'll try to do better next time. All right. (laughs) We sure will talk to you soon. (laughs) 